Welcome to the Stickers on the Mic podcast brought to you by StickerGiant.com, where we talk with our customers about how they started their business, how they're marketing their brand, and how they're growing their company. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. And if you're a regular listener, thank you for your continued support. As a bonus for all of our listeners who want to try us out, head over to StickerGiant.com and use the coupon PODCAST to take 20% off your first item. Without further ado, it's time for the Stickers on the Mic podcast from StickerGiant. Let's get on with the show. Welcome back to the Stickers on the Mic podcast. I'm Andrew. I'll be your host today. I'm very happy to welcome to our studio Phil Lewis of Phil Lewis Art here in Boulder, Colorado. And he does a lot of things that I will let him tell you all about. Phil, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So we've been seeing your stickers come through the shop for a long time. Very unique style. Um, we were able to visit your studio, and, and folks who are listening, we're gonna, um, you're going to have a great chance to see that video. It, it, it illustrates the visual so, uh, so well. But, Phil, start off, why did you end up in Boulder? Ending up in Boulder was, uh, really was our music that took us there. I was playing music in a band called Storytime with my two brothers, and um, we were rocking and rolling and had a fantastic time traveling all over the country and just making music and having a great time. Uh, the, you know, at the time we were living in, in Hollywood in L.A., and um, coming from Tahoe, growing up in such a pristine mountain environment, um, L.A. was a pretty difficult place to live after a while. So... You know, I had gone to college at uh, Colorado College previous to that time, and I kind of would make adventures up to Boulder to check out the Boulder Theater and the Fox and just, you know, experience the culture that Boulder has to offer. And so it was kind of on radar. It was like a cool place to live and a place that, you know, had a a lot of music, a live music presence. So we just sort of like on a whim decided, all right, let's, let's get out of L.A. and let's move to Boulder. And so we did. That is awesome. Um... And art and, and music and expression obviously is a big part of your life. When did you sort of know you wanted to be an artist? Like what, what, what led you on that path? I guess I've, you know, I've kind of always been very intrigued by artwork, you know, all the way from when I was a toddler messing with crayons and, you know, drawing on the wall and whatever. <laughs> I was like, I was always into to art and my parents always encouraged that. So I feel like I've always been interested in art, but it wasn't really until that time playing music with my brothers that I started to dabble in creating poster designs and album graphics and sort of you know, t-shirt concepts and sort of like getting my feet wet with like product development and how art can apply to that. And so I was sort of like experimenting with that during those years. And, you know, when it came time, we decided we wanted to take a break from playing our music when uh, my brother had, you know, he has two daughters. And so we kind of were moving on from music and it was like, okay, what do I do now? And I sort of just made this transition from touring around the country playing music to touring around the country showing artwork. And I really just dove headfirst into making art a full-time career path. It's definitely one of the best decisions I've ever made. It was definitely the, the calling for me. And um, you'd create art for, for those communities. Obviously, you had a background in the poster um, and promotional artwork. Um, where did you then take those inspirations to create your unique pieces that you see today? I think it really sort of, you know, the seed was like doodling. Like I was always a doodler. Like my artwork is very repetitive. It's, there's a lot of pattern work. There's a lot of like, 
just sort of, you know, meanderings that over the years have become more focused and more contained and, and driven towards certain narrative and character development and things. But it was really doodling that sort of started it all. And I then sort of, I don't know, started to become interested in trying to capture certain scenes. Like I've always been inspired by nature and places I've hiked and camped and explored over the years. And so I really started to combine my doodling concept with like landscape and eventually sort of arrived at this very pattern oriented, stylized sort of like landscape artwork that has since sort of developed into a lot more than that. But that was the roots. Right, and, and there's that your classic uh, poster that we were looking at when we were at the studio visiting with you, uh, that Flatirons poster, which mm-hmm. is, like, very iconic. Yeah. Right? Every Colorado Boulder artist, you know, you got to have that in your portfolio. Sure, but sure. that one has – you were showing us, like, the original line work and drawing of that and the evolution of that piece. Um, you know, now, though, your style, there's so much motion, mm-hmm. right, in, mm-hmm. in all the things that you do. Um, and – Talk a little bit about that creative process where you're able to – we we sat with you and watched you do it a little bit. But talk about how, like you said, doodling, your process still begins with a piece of paper and a pencil. Mm-hmm. And, and walk through our listeners a little bit of what that looks like to create some of the art. Sure. Well, I, to me, like one of the most raw and bare sort of forms of expression is drawing. It's really just – you know, whether it's a pencil or a pen or a marker or crayon or whatever it is, it's just, or even a paintbrush, it's it's one sort of artistic tool in your hand, and that is it. It's literally, it's straight, the idea is just kind of flowing out of my head, through my hand, down the pencil, onto the paper. It's like very basic, it's very raw. And I've always felt most connected to the creative experience, just letting stuff flow out as quickly as I kind of can. And so my initial beginnings of all my artwork is a pencil drawing on paper. And it's very small, usually. My um, original drawings are about, you know, eight by 10 or so. They're, they're very small. It's just like the, the scale that I've become comfortable working in. Like I like to focus very tightly and just really organize every single little section. So for me, I work very small. I work pencil on paper. And then, you know, I've also always been sort of like a way into gadgets and technology and computers. And so for me, like, you know, when I was in college, I did take a, an intro to Photoshop class. And this was back in like 1999. It was definitely a long time ago. And the program was nowhere near as It was advanced. nothing like yeah, it is today. It's yeah. not as capable as it is now. And so, but what it did was it opened my eyes to the possibility of combining artwork that I was making on paper with like the digital sphere, the digital space. So I started to scan my finished drawing doodles into Photoshop and then sort of breaking them up into different layers and experimenting with the colors and just messing around with Photoshop. And it's all really self-taught. It's just like pick a menu item and apply it and see what happens. You know, like half the time it fails, half the time it's something totally mind bending. So, you know, it's like I've experimented a lot over the years with Photoshop and what you can do with it. And so for me, it's just exciting to combine the raw sort of artistic creative process that happens on paper and then get it into the computer and take it like much, much further with experimenting and just seeing what's possible. Um, And I guess like over the years, I've really developed and uh, sort of grown in that realm and started to work more and more on a tablet. Mm -hmm. Um, 
up until a couple years ago, I've been pretty much exclusively using a Wacom Cintiq monitor that you can draw directly on the screen with. And so I would scan my drawings and then sort of like, I started to trace the actual line work because it's a lot cleaner and crisper and more high definition um, when you create it digitally rather than scanning it and trying to clean it up. Mm -hmm. So over the years, I've really sort of transitioned away from doing the color and the pen work on paper to just doing a pencil drawing, taking a picture of that, bringing it into the computer and tracing it Uh by hand. And so it's extremely time consuming because I essentially draw the entire piece twice. But what it allows me to do is get like a really crisp, clean black line layer that it uses the foundation for all of the color and the effects and the layer work and, and everything else in Photoshop. Yeah, it was cool to watch you do that over your shoulder at the shop there. Um, cause f- for me, I, I, I know Illustrator pretty well. So I was kind of, um, surprised that you're, you're creating those lines in Photoshop and, and allowing the imperfections of like pixels like at a very granular level, when you zoom all the way in, I was like, wow, that is actually, like you were saying, you were, it, it felt more organic mm-hmm. t- for your own process to do it that way. And, and mm-hmm. we, we're an illustrator shop, you know, um, that's how we print stickers. So mm-hmm. we're, we're, I'm just used to really super tight, pixel perfect lines, whereas mm-hmm. yours, when they blow up, look perfect. Mm-hmm. But you start at that sort of atomic level of, of, a, of a less... You know, it mimics, I guess, the pencil is what I'm mm-hmm. saying, which I found really like unique about your process. I sure, that was... sure. Yeah, I think that's kind of that's something I've really kind of focused on throughout this development of this technique is trying to retain the organic human element of it all. You know, like don't get me wrong, I love and appreciate Illustrator too. Like when it's crispy, it's it's real nice. You know, for me, like I you can just blow it up yeah. like in ways that is different in yeah. Photoshop, but like you're able to yeah. maximize your yeah palette from from a design perspective I, I love illustrator from like an art creation point of view like photoshop is just a better fit for me you That's know awesome. like when i zoom in on on this stuff and i'm tracing it i'm often zoomed in like three or four hundred percent and i'm working at like a four, with a four pixel brush it's like it's very very in there and so to me when when you're tracing and drawing and doing color at that scale it's almost a little bit more like paint right like you kind of push it around a little and you can get away with like Whoa, whoops that was a little weird and like maybe i like that but weird, that's the know? bob ross feels like oh yeah. it's a happy accident yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what exactly. i mean exactly <laughs> and those kind of things can still happen for me when I'm working in a pixel-based medium. It's like, I don't know, in a way it sort of lets my, I think my personality and sort of like my sort of like artistic motions kind of come through a little bit more. And so I've definitely played with both, but in the end, right now where I'm at, I really appreciate like just working with Photoshop at that resolution. I mean, clearly it's working. And and like I said, it was, as someone who's taught a lot of these different softwares, they're all so like the same but different, and the way an artist or a creator interfaces with them is just, I, I love watching people get creative in those. That's why it's such a cool suite of products. Yeah. Um, so you, you've created this really great digital workflow that starts, again, with, with an analog process, and you've also, though, over the years expanded what you serve to your customers, basically, right? Mm-hmm. So I want you to just walk us through a little bit of coming up with your product lines, but also then how did you start? You said you were doing it at festivals, right? Which is a lot mm-hmm. of legwork. Mm-hmm. How, how did you start selling or creating your market? Mm-hmm. 
Well, you know, when I originally sort of first started out um, coming from the musical space, I sort of like knew that that was where the type of people I wanted to kind of like share my artwork with, that's where they were going to be, was at live events. And so, you know, when I, at the very beginning, when I did first start out, I was doing like art crafts fairs, you know, like an art show, like, um, you know, the very first show I ever did was in the Boulder High School parking lot. It was like the the Boulder Art (laughs) Show or something. I can't remember why they even called it, but, you know, I'm in the easy up with just like super thrown together setup and just like, I really didn't know what I was getting myself into. But it was exciting and fun. And so, you know, I, I did a bunch of shows like that. I did, like, the Crested Butte Fine Arts Fair, the Pearl Street Fine Arts Festival, like, lots of art-based things. But it wasn't really until, like, 2008 when I first did my first music festival, Sonic Bloom. I remember it was um, up in Winter Park. And it was kind of, like, major, major eye-opener. Like, you know, all, it's the same amount of work. You're setting up a booth. You're, you're sweating it out for the whole entire weekend. But what it is is a higher concentration of people that are, like, attuned to my style of artwork or, or the subject matter or, like, whatever it is. It's, like, my artwork tends to fit in really well in live music settings. Right. You know, and over the years I have worked with a lot of uh, bands and festivals and sort of developed a lot of work for that crowd specifically. But so for me, like that was a real turning point. It was like vending a music festival. It was like, whoa, this is where I need it's to be. It's a concentrated right. audience mm-hmm. that's yeah. focused on that kind of expression. Yeah. Whereas like a general pedestrian traffic at a fine art fair, one out of ten might be interested in that, that look and feel. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. And also your history with like gigs and being a musician, it, mm-hmm. like – Obviously, it was a very natural fit. Yeah. So you go f- do a lot of festivals. You're doing festivals for a number of years, and then um, you're able to open up a studio on Pearl Street, sort of primo real estate in the heart of town. Um, tell us a little bit about that process of opening up a studio. Sure. Well, you know, through the years like of vending music festivals from 2008 all the way up until about two years ago, you know, that was like my super primary focus. Like we did... 12, 15 festivals a year, you know, traveling all over the country. And, and by doing that, by doing that legwork and sort of exposing my artwork in different markets, different pockets of the country, it really helped develop a really widespread sort of grassroots following for my work that is definitely on the ground, you know, like these are real connections, real impressions that when you meet somebody at a music festival and, you know, maybe they're super jazzed up and they're really fired up and they get a big piece of artwork to take home with them. Or maybe, you know, they don't have that sort of ability at that point in time and they end up with some cool stickers, you know, it's like, it doesn't really matter what it is, but if somebody takes something home with them, you've made a connection with them. And so over the course of those, you know, the past 12 years, I've really made a lot of connections like that, like really strong uh, you know, just amazing following, which I'm so extremely grateful for. It's like phenomenal the support that I've had for my work. I tr- feel truly feel blessed for this path. And so, for me, like opening up a retail sort of like in physical presence was just sort of like the next step in that. Like, um, instead of like trying to go out on the road and hustle and hustle and hustle and just burn the candle at both ends, I wanted to really focus on one single space and put a lot of energy into it. And so, you know, using that support that I have for my network, I was able to build this space and sort of plant roots there. And it's been so phenomenally well received. I just am blown away by it. It's amazing. So. And what's the address again of that? And we'll we'll do it at the end again. Sure. No, we're at uh, 2034 Pearl Street. It's right in between 20th and 21st. Right. And, and in that space, you, you're, you were telling us when we were there, 
it, it obviously serves as gallery space to hang hang big pieces and, and have point of purchase items like uh, frisbees, et cetera, which is obviously very great. But you're also trying to have it be somewhat of an event space sure. and create community around, mm-hmm. you know, that energy that you put into it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's part of that was definitely part of the plan at the beginning was is to not only show my artwork, but to get an opportunity to uh, share the artwork of other artists that I really appreciate and am inspired by. And so, it, you know, we do these guest art shows where we take down my work off one of the main walls and we put up, you know, artwork of people that I want to show. And it's a really awesome opportunity because not only do I get to look at this really cool art in my own space for a while and be inspired by it, but, you know, I get to expose, you know, the 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 community to awesome artwork that I think is worthy of being shown. And, and that's really exciting for me. And it, it, there's really, there's so much artwork being made in Boulder. There's so many artists living here, but there's really not very many galleries that are supporting the sort of visionary art culture, the festival, live music festival culture. And so it's been really well received and we've had some amazing shows with just phenomenal artists. It's just such a fun, exciting new chapter. That term visionary art or visionary artist, that, that was sort of new to me. And um, incidentally, right after we had our interview, I was at the Trader Joe's and I had something of yours right there. And the guy's like, oh, man, that's really cool. I was like, oh, yeah, I was just talking to, to that artist. He's like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, he's a visionary artist. So he knew that term. Mm-hmm, sure. Well, what does that mean? What does visionary artist yeah, mean? It is kind of hard to put a finger on that. And there's a lot of us that are kind of grouped into into it. But basically, it's sort of like a renaissance of, like, just really creative spirit at this this day and age. And, you know, there is an element of, like, psychedelics involved. It's, it's sort of like opening the door to a different way of seeing the world and having visions and sort of encapsulating on the energy that we're all sharing in this world. And it's really just there's so much of it happening when you start to dig into it. It's, it's amazing. And, you know, there really hasn't been much of, like, a... I don't know, a time period. When you look at art history, you know, you don't, this is definitely a new thing and it's definitely happening right now and it's pretty exciting. So. No, that's how it feels like. Mm-hmm. And, and when I first started working here many years ago and seeing this style, I, I you know, I've been a live music fan and, and, and experienced a lot of, of different pockets of those around the country, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm looking, I'm holding my hands, uh, this, this sort of Red Rocks piece that you have, uh, which is a really impressive piece of art in that like, uh, you have the symmetry, of course, of, of the venue, but then you have this whole, like, story being told around it. And, and again, there's so much motion in, in this piece, uh, but it's, like, contained. And um, for folks listening, you know, if you head over to Phil Lewis Art Online, you'll, you'll be able to see a lot of those, and there's a really um, cool variety of, of different products. How did you branch off to do, like, I'm looking at this little postcard. You've got the stickers. You've got the big prints, and then, of course, in the space, you have all kinds of different collateral. Mm-hmm. How, what does new product development look like for mm-hmm. you, for instance? Well, it could really come from anywhere, but, you know, over the years of festivals, that's definitely where I picked up a lot of ideas. You know, somebody would come in and mention, like, hey, have you ever thought about doing Frisbee golf discs? And I'm like, well, no, not until right now. <laughs> and so that, you know, ideas, if you're buying. <laughs> yeah, ideas would definitely come at me from, from as suggestions, but also from just witnessing what people are into, you know, and seeing, yeah. like, I can remember vending High Sierra Music Festival years ago Such in the a Bowl, good festival. which is phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, that. it's a great time. It's really close to where I'm from, so it's a bit of a homecoming for me there too. But, um, you know, just, just witnessing people playing Frisbee, like right in front of the booth, and it was like, 
light bulb moment like hey wait a minute we should make some frisbees you know and so that was just and then you source a supplier and and it's just artwork yeah i do always like really vet my vendors to make sure i'm working with people who have really high quality products and are consistent and you know everything is aligned so um yeah i've just really sort of picked up ideas over the years and uh, you know a component of it also for me has always been the goal of my artwork or what i want to do with it is really just to share it you know and to get people stoked and sort of spread joy you know as corny as that kind of sounds it's like really the bottom line of all of it is like i do want people to be happy and i want to try and make them happy with my artwork and so what, what a good way to do that is to to offer products that people can engage with it's not just a piece of artwork that goes on your wall it's a piece of artwork that could go you know on your phone case and so right. that you can pull it out of your pocket and show your friends and every time you use it you're reminded that like hey this is this is cool this is an expression of of what i enjoy and it's right here with me all the time you know and and so all sorts of things like that like in laser engraving the stainless steel water bottles it's like every time you pick up your bottle you're reminded of you know of that art and and of how it makes you feel and so i've really developed products that people can engage with like the puzzles working with liberty puzzles has been a phenomenal relationship you know that's just really a grand slam in terms of combining what they do their super artistic creative puzzle making with my artwork really is a fantastic marriage of, of concepts and that allows people to sit down and actually play with the art you know and engage with it in the puzzle experience like you're contributing to creating it again from a box of puzzle pieces you're putting it together. So right. for me, I've always wanted to create art people can can experience. You, you're talking about the laser engraving, and, and I want to circle back to that because that seems like a cool segment. Are you doing that engraving there in, in-house? Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, absolutely. So how do you like, because it's a curved surface, how, do you, how, do you, how are you able to create those paths and, and get it the way you want it? You mm-hmm. said you're sort of a perfectionist, you know? <laughs> yeah. like, like, is there any like quality control things that, in that process that you've had to figure out when, when you started doing that? Yes, definitely. I mean, laser artwork is, is definitely a really, for me, it's a cool way to combine the digital sphere with the physical. And because, you know, you basically create this artwork digitally and then use the machine like a printer that uses an invisible laser beam to put that design onto whatever you can conceive to put on it to put it on so you know for example those water bottles that's kind of taking it even a step further using this device called a rotary attachment that has uh wheels on a servo that'll actually spin round objects Oh, okay yeah it's kind of technical but as long as you coordinate the page size of your file with the diameter of the bottle it knows yeah because you have different sizes of the bottle that was what Mm -hmm. i was wondering about Mm because like some of them are huge they're like 64 ounces which Mm -hmm. is a massive amount of liquid and and real estate to print too. sure sure you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um those are fun products for for those of you that are that are into being hydrated which should be everybody you should definitely check those out um so you mentioned cutting things with lasers, and that's something we do, obviously, at Sticker Giant. And, and one, that one little nugget of information that you, you threw at us at the shop, which kind of, I can't believe people haven't thought of this before, but tell, and I don't want to steal your thunder, but tell us a little bit about how you're using stickers locally. In general, you sell them. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. But how are you using the stickers um, with local, other local businesses? Okay, yeah, we do have a pretty awesome marketing uh, concept. We're a uh, partner with the Boulder Theater and the Fox Theater, the Z2 Entertainment Group. And um, what we have is we have custom printed wristbands that are pretty awesome looking, super psychedelic little wristbands. Um, 
that are vinyl and have my artwork all over them, and they just look really cool. They look, you know, yes. Yeah, when you go into a show, it's better than a paper neon paper thing. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's pretty amazing, like awesome little thing. And so on the wristband, it says, you know, uh, Philos Arts, and with the address of the uh, the studio and gallery, and it says, you know, bring this wristband in for a free sticker. So that's been just phenomenal in terms of marketing and marketing impression. It's sort of you know, when you do marketing, you talk about impressions and it's like, this is an impression that's literally attached to your body. <laughs> you have to physically rip it off or cut it off. So, you know, the next morning we wake up after a great night out or something and you look at your wrist or whatever, or maybe it's later that night, whatever it is, you have to physically engage with this marketing impression. <laughs> so it's been really powerful and it's really been awesome to have people step into the gallery and say, hey, I got this wristband last night. And wow, I didn't even know this place was here. This is amazing. And they might be and local. So, yeah, they, they, right? they've lived their whole lives and just never happened to stop in. You know, I mean, Boulder is such a bustling place. There's things changing all the time. It's hard to notice everything that's going on. So Yeah, your little corner of the yeah. street I used to was one of my old haunts, and I, I honestly don't even recognize it. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? It's definitely changed a lot. So, so, yeah, working with you guys to create these awesome little stickers that we then, you know, give away to people when they come in with their wristbands is totally awesome because – you know, they get to come, they get a chance to experience the gallery, you know, they get turned on to the art, they get turned on to the guest artists we might have up at the moment, um, and they get to leave with an awesome sticker. And it's like, those stickers then sort of like continue that, you know, because they eventually get stuck, like all stickers get stuck somewhere. So that sticker is going to live on, and it's going to be out there in the world. And, you know, more people are going to see it. So right. for me, stickers are re- have been really been powerful um, marketing concept you know and it just stems from when i was a kid loving stickers myself so and yeah you were talking about that and 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 it makes me think of a different episode of our podcast we interviewed travis who's one of our designers here our our team designers and he he, uh designed skateboards right Mm -hmm. and he was talking about how when you're a kid and i can i remember being a young skateboarder like stickers were like everything you know what i mean or you were talking about snowboarding too like those cultures including music all really rely like the center of gravity for promotion is either a poster or a sticker mm-hmm. or like a print of some you know someone doing something so mm-hmm. um it's a, it's a it's a nice little um closed loop for you there um so the thing about the people coming in though you were saying also that you have the locals but then since there's so many national acts coming through people touring you're bringing non-local audiences through that wristband promotion sure Right. Yep, absolutely. So that, again, plays off your whole national network concept, which is I, I thought was kind of unique as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and those people hopefully leave with a piece. Yeah. You never know. You know, they come in, they'll find something they love. You know, that that's, that's also been part of my sort of mentality the whole time is to be able to meet people where they're at, you mm-hmm. know, where they're at you know, with their budget too. It's, it's sort of like if they're really into it and they really love it, I have something for you, uh, you know, at any price point. So whether it be a multiple thousand dollar gigantic piece of art on the wall, or if it's, you know, a, a $5 sticker, it's kind of like I try and meet people where they're at so that if they love it, they can, they can obtain something. Even if, even if it's a free sticker from a wristband, you know, people coming in. So I really just want people to leave the space happy that they came in. Well, I left the space happy that I came, if you recall. I um, wasn't expecting this to the folks who are listening, but I picked up this amazing children's book, right, (laughs) that uh, is called – what do you call it? It's called Animal Friends. That's what it's called, Mm -hmm. Animal Friends. Mm -hmm. And I read it it to my kids actually that night, and they grooved on it a lot, and the story was fun. So – 
this seems like a little bit of a departure for someone sure. doing sort of visionary psychedelic art to write a children's book. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about how that came sure. came to be. Yeah, well, that, that certainly was inspired by the birth of my son. So that that was the major a major turning point um, in terms of me experiencing my life now as a parent. It's like right. okay, everything gets turned upside down, and it's no Real longer fast. about me. <laughs> so my son Robin was born, and I was reading him a lot of books, and you know. It's kind of like crazy. I, I did like a lot of like market research on these board books, you know, nice. like how long should it be? You know, like right because it has to be like an yeah, inch and a half thickness. Exactly, tops. exactly. How many pages is too many? How many is not enough? You know, like wh- how many words can these kids actually handle? And so I actually kind of did a lot of research in terms of like the size, the amount of words per page, how many images. Yeah, what the narrative looks like at that point. Yeah, like really kind of thought it through. And then, you know, writing the little phrases that went along with the art, that kind of was a fun experience. It's got to rhyme. Yeah, (laughs) rhyming, kind of revisiting songwriting for me a little bit. So it was kind of a cool combination of of creating art and and writing, you know, lyrics or phrases that go along with the art. And uh, that's been fun. It's been awesome. Yeah, I we had my son Conroy, the youngest that I have, was very psyched about it. So I, I was, I don't know, we had a moment. So it's... I, even I left happy, and I know Chase, our video guy, was was super psyched, and and so I think that, that came through. The energy was was very much there. Um, so, you know, children's book author, you've got these very huge prints. You know, you've got a variety of prod, products and projects. W- what's next for Phil Lewis? Well, I'd really like to continue hosting art shows at the space. Those have been really exciting. It's just the, the response from the community has been so supportive. Uh, you know, it's really just been overwhelming. It's it's great. There's a huge need for that here in Boulder. We have great music venues, you know, from the Fox Theater, the Boulder Theater, all the way to, like, Red Rocks, you know, like, and not to mention some of the new places in Denver, the Mission Ballroom, all these, you know, there's lots of support for music, but there really has not been tons of support for visual art and there's a lot of us out there doing it so for me it's it's very inspiring and awesome to to host art shows and that's really what i hope to continue doing with the space um is to just continue showing art that i'm inspired by well we appreciate obviously all the stickers that you do um so for the anyone who wants to find phil uh phil can you just again give us your your social handles your website address and just again your physical address sure. just so that people can leave this with that information yeah absolutely uh it's pretty easy to find it's just phil lewis art you can google that it'll bring up everything it's the website's phil instagram is just phil lewis art all one word same with facebook the gallery again is on 2034 Pearl Street, right downtown Boulder. It's just one block east of the last stoplight there on downtown. So. Phil, thank you so much for, for spending time with us, letting us hear your story and sharing it with all of our listeners. Um, and we, of course, are going to love watching your business continue to grow. You have a great story that um, I think everyone can can uh, find, like you said, something for everybody, right? Right so, on. Um, Thanks again for listening, everybody. This is the Stickers on the Mic podcast. I've been Andrew. Very happy to host Phil here today in our studio in Longmont. And we will see you next time. Thank you, Phil, for joining Thanks us. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure. That wraps up this episode of Stickers on the Mic, brought to you by StickerGiant.com. You can download us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcatcher. 
If you enjoy what you're hearing, please leave us a review. It helps us reach new listeners and share our customer sticker stories. And if you're inspired to create your own stickers or labels, head over to stickergiant.com to check out our options and use the coupon podcast to take 20% off your first item. Thanks again for listening to Stickers on the Mic.